Hello, everyone. Robert Walker here, along with Caleb Pierce, and we are Sheep Things Podcast. Our goal with this podcast is to get down to the basics with industry leaders, associations, breeders, owners, vets, suppliers, and anyone else we can find to hear their stories and firsthand experiences. Hopefully, we will ask the right questions to see what makes them successful, how they got started, and what they see for the future of the sheep industry. We hope to have something new weekly that we can share, so stay connected to our website, Facebook page, or sign up to follow us on a podcast service to get updates as they are published. Stay tuned as we try to share our learning experience with you all as we dive into the sheep industry together. Okay, guys, uh, we're getting ready to do our second episode of season two uh, with Sarah Gibson of Missouri. And uh, this episode, we talk a lot about equipment, handling systems, uh, how to manage. Uh, she's wanting to grow her flock uh, to a pretty good size. So uh, one of the things she wants to know is how do we manage our sheep? Uh, what are our options? And, and also management from a lambing perspective, from a, um, vaccination protocols and that kind of stuff, as well as asking some basic questions on uh, what a few things are that she's heard us talk about on our previous season podcast. So uh, listen in to uh, Sarah, and we discuss a lot of options that I'm sure will fit a lot of people. So thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy. So I just have like some really basic, basic, basic questions, probably more basic than what I would think that I would need to ask, but things that I think really would be helpful yeah. um, for newbies. Um, my only, the one, the one question I think is the really one that's geared towards me is my fourth question. Why do people say they aren't in it for the money and what can be done about that? So uh, my husband and I plan to be in it for the money. And that's not what I'm, I'm in it for does. the money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. If not, I'm going fishing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we're, we're, we're in it for the money for sure. And, and it's not going to, we can't stop at a hundred sheep. And so I guess yeah. I want to kind of talk mechanics of that of, of making a real living off of sheep yeah yeah if i wasn't in it for the money I, I certainly wouldn't be trying to grow i'd probably keep like two <laughs> right right yeah we would be like the average around uh, what what attributes would you look for when you're selecting a ram then i mean i know you guys use nsip and that kind of helps you hone in um we typically look for one that looks good yeah you know <laughs> well, no, me- now don't don't uh, don't think we don't. Me and Caleb share a lot of pictures back and forth. Yeah. What do you think this one looks like? Don't don't kid yourself. And Robert is pretty picky on uh, how things look. He's he's pretty picky, and and he's uh, he's rubbing off on me. So yeah, on looks than Caleb is. Yeah. So uh, um, you know they got to be pretty. I mean, let's face it. Uh, you got to like to look at them when you walk out in the field. Um, I, I I'm in the horse business. I I like horses. Um, so, you know, I, I don't like an ugly horse and, and the same with sheep. So, um, you know, look at their structure for me. I don't like, I don't like a neck that ties in too low at the shoulder. Uh, you'll see these ewes out in the field and, and a lot of the rams you see it too, where mm-hmm. the neck drops down in front of the shoulder and then back up, but it drives me nuts. Yeah. I, I can't stand that. Anybody look more like a beefy I, neck. Huh? 
want more of like a, a beefy neck where there's there's no necessarily beefy but when it comes out of the shoulders i want it to go up yeah and there's, you know there's some spot that, that some rams it seems like the the neck almost comes out lower on the out of the carcass yeah. of the animal like as opposed to the, the top and it's just a nice level um okay that's right yeah and they'll still, they'll still be registered and they'll still have a piece of paper but rob don't like them, you know <laughs> well this uh, is yeah this is i think where <laughs> we we go back and forth on this one is uh you know so <laughs> Rob's philosophy is you got to have a sheep that looks nice and uh and, right. and and you know that you like looking at and uh my my, my philosophy is you got to have a sheep that makes you money and uh you know if it's ugly in the pasture but nice on paper um you know the the uh the checkbook says the same or you know the check but you got to be picky enough to find one that has it all yeah and for rams i think yeah definitely it is important because the ram will will set your genetics for generations i mean i mean if we right. look at it from a if you're looking at a registered ram for example the Qatar association has almost averaged 9500 close to 10,000 registered animals for the last three or four years so so probably 5000 of those roughly plus or minus are rams so out of five thousand registered rams in the whole u.s there's got to be one that suits you that's the way i look at it so don't settle you know don't settle for mediocre don't settle for something that you know um that you don't like yeah mm-hmm. but i hear a lot of times you're talking about a ram that fits your program mm-hmm. and you've you looked at NSIP data, which we don't have and probably won't do just because I saw that you, know, you you tend to pay per sheep and we can't, we can't, or at this point, we're not at a point where we would say that we should be paying extra things per head. And so we, it's not something we're ready for. So how would we say, yeah, that one fits our program? How could we still buy an NSIP registered, uh, like something that was following that program and know it would fit? us like we could we just look for something that maybe if our problem was parasites look for a parasite resistant ram exactly yeah that's that's the the great thing about nsip um i mean there's there's several things one is you know you don't have to um to to utilize the the benefits of it you don't have to be enrolled in nsip and and rusty with nsip will will tell you that um, that NSIP isn't isn't for everybody to use um, necessarily. It's it's designed kind of like I was talking about earlier with that that model of the seed stock producers that produce animals for the commercial um, people. For you guys, where maybe you don't want to keep as much data, um, you know, driving production from your rams is going to be important. So, you know, if going back to the analogy earlier with you know the pounds of lamb. Um, you know, if you're wanting to build a flock of 800 ewes, I wouldn't hesitate to pay $1,000 or $1,500 for the RAM for your system um, because it's going to take you so much further in the long run and give you so much right. more production. Um, but I, I think, so Michelle Canfield, um, was a former KHSI board member, did a really fantastic job and she can explain EBVs really well. Um, and the way she explains it is it's kind of like um, the, the knobs on a stereo and the, vo- the volume controls, um, where you can turn up more of a trait or turn down if you want less of that. So like you were saying, if you are saying, okay, we've got a parasite problem, you can go, okay, I need a RAM with parasite resistance. And you, you go and you select for more parasite resistance. 
but at the same time, you can also kind of hold those knobs at the spot where you want them. So, um, you know, it's not like where, um, you know, like <laughs> let's use the example, let's say you're trying to adjust the, the sound in your, your vehicle as you're, as you're listening to music or whatever. And let's say you want to turn the, the bass up or down a little bit. Um, just because you turn the bass up um, doesn't mean that you're going to want your mids and your trebles to completely go away. So you want to kind of hold those where you want them and then at the same time work on bringing your bass up. It's kind of the same thing with, with um, genetics where you don't want to just push one trait so hard and you know have single trait selection. You want to go for a balance and then a balance that has more of the trait where you're trying to get. Um, otherwise, you'll end up like the dairy cattle did where they started having lots of problems by just pushing for milk. So um, I think, you know, for your case, um, you know, pushing uh, genetics from the ram side would be important. And then it, it's really just a de determination of, of what you want. So kind of going back to your question of what do you look for in a ram um, kind of depends on, on where you want to go. I mean, you know, maybe if you guys are wanting to get to 800 views, um, maybe you don't want to push prolificacy really hard. Maybe you don't want anything more than twins. Um, you know, maybe you just want consistent twins, but you don't really want that many triplets. Um, then you wouldn't want to, you know, take number of lambs born super high on the flip side. Um, you know, the more lambs you have, the more, more profit you make. And that's the, the most direct determinant typically of, of profit is the number of lambs. So maybe you do want to push number of lambs born more. And that's kind of just, I guess, a system determinant where, you know, where do you want that to go? And then, or maybe, you know, you, there's always a discussion on milk. If you want more milk, less milk. Um, and part of that has to do with weaning. If you want to wean at 60 days um, and, and do a hard wean, you probably want, want less milk. Um, for me, I, I, I let you lamb self wean, typically pull my ram lambs at 90 to 100 days because I don't want fall lambs um, by sires that I don't know. And so I'm pulling them 90 to hundred days. Um, and, and at that point, you know, I do push milk harder because that I don't creep feed. Um, and because I don't creep feed, that's their only source of nutrition um, early on is, is milk. And so um, that that's a, another system factor. The other thing too, you know, going to parasite resistance, I don't think parasite resistance is something you don't ever you don't ever want less parasite resistance. Um, arguably, that's that's one of those traits that you should try to maximize as much as possible. But maybe your system doesn't need it. I mean, if if you're in a system that's you know on you know on grain and hay in a feedlot, you're not going to really need parasite resistance. And the problem with you know with genetics is um, oftentimes when you start pushing for some traits, you inevitably give up some progress and other traits. And so same thing with growth, um, depending on your system, you know, maybe it's advantageous to, depending on your market to raise 800 U's and breed them to a terminal sire cross, maybe a, a Suffolk Texel cross sire. It's going to give you good muscle, good growth and a larger frame and larger finishing potential. Um, and, and in that point, you don't necessarily need to push growth for your use because you're going to be getting that from your terminal sire. So you can put your emphasis on maternal traits.
Honestly. Will you just say for beginners what a terminal cross oh. is? I think some people don't know that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, terminal. That's a that's a great question because I I didn't realize that either early on. I was like, what's a terminal sire? Um, and uh, <laughs> you're gonna kill it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I guess you know just the purpose of that sire is just to produce meat lambs um, that have a very terminal future. I guess you might describe it. So. <laughs> terminal sire is basically bred for growth. You you would. It, it is to push pounds of meat and argue, uh, yeah. And you could even argue muscle and parasite resistance too, depending on your system. But yeah. Or, or, uh, if, if you do cool things like, Hey, there's a, there's a new definition for a maternal sire. Rob is Michelle's Michelle's Rams that, uh, she flew out when they were at the airport, they were a terminal sire. Okay. Bad uh, pun. Sorry. <laughs> 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 that's great uh, so anyway so so that's you know kind of the the, <laughs> the the traits you could look for um and, and and then there's also easy care traits um you know hooves um are something you know i I try to select for animals that don't need their hooves trimmed when you get to numbers like 800 use that's a that's important yeah that is important um so going back to to Robert's um, analysis, sound feet and legs are really important there. Um, and that's where structure really can make an impact because if their pasterns are weak, their hooves are gonna wear funny and you're gonna be trimming a lot of hooves. Um, and so, you know, those kind of easy care traits, um, hair coat, if that's something you want. I think um, when Jim Morgan was on, he made a great distinction of uh, functional shedding is something that, you know, we wanna, we wanna go for. Um, it's not necessarily something where we're trying to maximize the hair coat and make it this really pretty hair coat. Um, cause then we're essentially doing exactly what the wool breeds are doing just for something that doesn't actually give us any sort of income. <laughs> um, we just want something that, that sheds functionally. Um, and that's going to look different for each system. Um, and again, going back to what Robert said, you got to have sheep that you like to look at. If you have sheep with, you know, patches of woolly hair on them all summer long, probably not the nicest looking sheep in the world. Um, probably pretty ugly actually. And so, um, I, I guess that doesn't really answer your question on what to look for in a ram, <laughs> but it's, it kind of helps to kind of see like the targeting idea though, what you're, how you target and yeah. decide what you might need. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in your case, uh, if you're wanting to grow like you're, you're talking, uh, without having to purchase a lot of views, uh, which I would recommend because you got what you mm -hmm. have, you know what you got, no matter what it is, you know what you got. And, right. uh, in a couple of generations, you can get to where you want to be and, uh, really quick, <laughs> really quick. That's right. So, so I met a lady in Bowling Green, Kentucky. She, uh, when I first got into sheep, um, I was looking at Dorpers. I didn't know what a Katahdin was. And this lady uh, probably had 500 ewes. And uh, so I went to visit her. And, and first we talked over the phone. And and, uh, and I'm like, oh, wow, you got 500 ewes. She goes, well, I had 700. And I'm like, holy crap. She goes, yeah. She said, I figured that was more than a 68-year-old woman could handle by herself. So somebody like you come along and, and I sold 200 ewes. Good for her. <laughs> How long did that take you to get there? She said about seven or eight years. She started out with a dozen sheep, 
kept every ewe lamb, no matter what, if they lived, she kept them, sold the ram lambs for to pay for the feed, upkeep, or whatever. And, and when, when you start doubling every year, if you're having twins as an average, every year, you're it, it once you go from 20 to 30 to 60 to 120, it doesn't take long. Point, you're you double overnight. Uh, doubling when you're 10 is no big deal. Doubling when you're 40 is no big deal. When you're at 80 to 100 and you double in one year, you got to work on the fence, you know. Right. So, uh, so you can do that. And, and I would suggest buying the most correct in, in, in your spot where you're at. I would want the most correct ram I could find confirmation wise because he's going to be your foundation for your U flock. So if you get one of those suckers that's got the ugly neck like we're talking about, you're going to have hundreds of these ugly users. (laughs) So that's why it's important. Caleb, he might not think so, but you better get a you better get a nice ram if you're going to keep you lambs out of him and from them going forward. So it's very important not to get an ugly ram. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, and I would I would echo that too, except I would say find the most productive Rams. and then uh-huh. yeah find find maybe you know a handful of them um that are productive and then you know then select on looks and see okay out of these ones um and i, I think i think robert and i talked about that early on how robert starts you know by picking out on the data and then he goes out and looks at them i think that's a, a great way to do it is is pick more than you than you need um off the data and then you know, look at them and say, okay, that one is ugly. Um, Actually, I do it the other way around. Oh, I do. pick the ones I like to look at, and then I look at the data. Okay. So, so there, most years, my highest index in animals, somebody eats them because there's something about them I don't like. And I don't know it until they're done gone. <laughs> so, so I usually call and get rid of them bef- sometimes before I get my data back. Which is fine because yeah. if I didn't yeah. like them, I, it don't matter. It don't matter what their data says. Yeah. If I do so, not, I don't care. For how many generations should you use the same ram? Well, you can use the same ram on your group. So you got, let's say you got 50 ewes right now mm-hmm. and you buy, you buy Roger the ram. Roger the ram can breed those same 50 ewes forever. Right, but what about what about those use? What about the lambs that come from those use? Should you use the same ram? Well, you're going to the, need another ram because Roger's busy with those first fifty. So you're okay. going, you're going to need more rams. So just buy rams for your lamb. So at our house, the rams and and the use don't get bred to specific partners. They kind of like who they like. So so should you in that case, if they were all in the same pot, should you? Um, should you pull your ram every year and put another ram in? So it depends. (laughs) Everything depends. Okay. It depends on if you want to start tracking who those you lambs and ram lambs come from. If you don't care that one of them is gaining two or three pounds more than the other, it don't matter. Just turn them all. We figured we'd use those markers for telling which ram mated with which you. Yeah. But that's what we, I do. I use crayons. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so we thought we would do that to be able to see, because we will keep our rams out until it's time, but then it's going to be potluck for the rams, I guess. So do not buy a red crayon. Just, you don't, all of your neighbors yeah. will stop. It stains wool, huh? No, they'll all stop and tell you that your sheep have been Attacked. slaughtered. Yeah. Blood. <laughs> they look terrible when you have a red. Yeah. They should never make a red crayon. <laughs> That's hilarious. Thank you. <laughs> So this year, I, I used, I don't know, four rams, three or four rams, and I did uh, green, orange, blue. Those are my colors. Yeah. Yellow and, or uh, yellow just is too light. Yellow don't show yeah. up, yeah. And then the and red then, is. Uh, I'm fixing to put a terminal, I'm, or not a terminal. So I pulled all my rams last weekend. This coming weekend, I'm going to put a different ram in as a cleanup ram. He gets a black crayon, okay? And I save black for last because it'll cover everything. So then I can see who didn't breed the first time, even though they marked. You know, I can tell. Okay, because because a ram won't be able to breed a, a ewe that was already bred, right? Like, she won't stand for that. It, hopefully. Okay, that's the idea. That's, that's the, the idea, idea. yes. Okay. But, and that, but that's why I have a break. You know they're pretty they're pretty close to lambing on schedule. Mm -hmm. So so if you're if you take about a two week break between breedings, you'll know you'll know the, if it one ram or the other. And okay. And a, a thought for um, you know switching um, or for how to do that with rams is, and it get it gets complicated the more you get, but um, you can do different tag colors by rams or different tag colors by years or whatever. But um, that gets more complicated. Um, that gets complicated fast. It, it does become. We've been trying to look for a good system to kind of like organize visually and also so, make that line up with our spreadsheets. So yeah, if I can make a recommendation, I would say that uh, when you get to 800, it's going to be harder than uh, you can do anyway anyway really and the probably the best system to use is going to be eid tags um and then you can track that all um with that software system where you can as the animals in the shoot well you, will you do that again robert eid tags they're okay because of your background, they're doing something funny. Yeah, they you... disappear. They blend. Come closer to your face. I think. I think if they're closer to your face, there you go. Okay, hang on. Get a good look at that guy. Okay, those are your EID tags. I guess you use a gun that kind of um, feeds them through automatically. No, no, one no. at a time. One at a time. Yeah. Okay. This is like a normal ear tag, just one at a time. They're one at a time. Pretty small. And there you go. And it just clips on it. Golly, clips on <laughs> oh, it. <dear>. <laughs> on the earlobe so and and i wouldn't wait till i got to 800 sheep let me yeah, tell I would, you that would start tomorrow I, so <laughs> i've seen like the gallagher system yeah well and I then you've talked about one you sure well yeah so i was in the same boat as you i i wanted to learn and figure out all the stuff on 75 to 100 sheep before i got to two or 300 and go Oh crap, this is too much. You know, I wanted to figure it out on a smaller scale and then learn how to scale it. So, uh, so I went ahead and bought the system and, and it, there's a learning curve. 
there is oh i would have freaked out if i had 800 sheep and just went to this to start with uh, right i would oh it would have been it would have been <laughs> tough you know so um because because i deleted it i mean i i installed it and deleted it probably half a dozen times before i got it like i wanted it so it sounds like the user kind of like sets up the things that are important to them well, in a so certain like order. In the Shearwell system, it is so advanced. Like I cannot, like, uh, let's just say this can is a bottle of warmer. Okay. I, I can't give that warmer to my sheep in the system until I put that I bought that warmer. And I oh. can set up the store that I bought the warmer at. All right. And I have to put in there that it is 14 ounces. So it tracks. So if you run out, you're in trouble. <laughs> yes. If you run out, but if, if you're, if you're doing it right, you know, you're going to run out because the computer, you can look at your inventory before you go. Like if you know, Saturday, you're going to work sheep. You can go in your system and your Shearwell farm work system on the computer and look up and you can say, Oh wait, I'm about out of warmer. Okay. You can get off. Your husband goes, no, I'm not. I've got four cans in the, in the car. Well, that's because you didn't put it in the system. Right. <laughs> so, so that, that was some of the things that I would get to and go, oh crap. You know, so, so I just, it was easier for me just to start all over, but you know. At the same time, the nice thing about that is you can track treatments. So when you, when you go to, you know, send animals to slaughter or whatever, you can go, oh, this animal had you know, withdrawal dates. Yeah. yeah, this animal, you know, ran through the shoot, you know, two weeks ago and, and he was sick. So I gave him antibiotics. He can't be slaughtered yet um, because yeah. of the withdrawal dates. So that can help you flag that sort of thing. But it also, you know, can help you track that genetic side. Um, it can also help you track, you know, the, like I said, the, you know, the, the parentage, all that sort of thing. Um, and there's also some really cool functions. Um, when it comes to data collection, such as, um, you know, the scales that will automatically read those weights. And that's a way mm -hmm. that you can, you know, start to get data and figure out which ones are, are your most productive at some point. But the other cool thing is there's, you know, auto drafters um, out there that you can set ahead of time. This animal goes in this pen, this animal goes in this pen based off of whatever sort of criteria, criteria. you want. And then you can keep your, your breeding group separate. Um, the other option. That's, I want that. That's, that's super high on my wish list. My, here's what I do with it. All right. My favorite thing to do is to sit in my recliner at the house watching TV and I can, and I can fix my breed, my U breeding groups on my laptop. And I, I pick which U's I want to breed to which Ram and I save it as a drafting order. And I send it to my little handheld. And when I go out in the field, when that U goes through the chute, I scan her tag and it goes left, forward, left, right, forward. And I don't go, oh man, I really like that U. Let's put her with Larry over here. I don't make emotional decisions. They just go through and I and I sort based on my non-emotional watching a ball game thinking and, right. and you can do it based on uh, you can also sort your lambs you know if you get up to a couple hundred ewes and you're wanting to sell you know 70 pound lambs this week then you can run all of your sheep through this thing and and if you if your scales are set up 
when you scan that tag, it'll save the weight instantly to that, and you record, and it'll sort, you know, 59 pound lambs this way, all the 70s go off to this corner to go on a trailer. Mm-hmm. And, and it'll cut your time down to nothing. I really want that. Guessing, you know. Do you have Do you have the system, or you've only seen oh, no, it? I've, I've had it for two or three years. Okay, so does it open the gates for you, or does it just tell you which gate not, to open? Not, not the one I got. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I saw Shearwells that does that, and I was like, oh, I really want that. Yeah, so there's, there's a, about ten grand. Ten. Yeah. Okay, so what what all does that include? If, is this too advanced to be on the beginner thing? No, oh, I mean, you okay. know, start somewhere. <laughs> so, 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 so grand uh, gets you a device that it's basically just a drafter and a scale. So, what is, what is the drafter? Is that the machine? Yeah. So the, the machine, the machine will do. So, so I have a. I mean, I set mine up to draft now, but it's the drafter is Rob. Uh, I have a five-way sort built with some cables overhead and, and I can, when it says left, then I pull the cable and my sorting thing opens to the left. That's not too much. No, I mean, no, really, for the price difference, I bet it's another 5,000 for it to open the gates for you. Uh, probably 9,000 more. <laughs> okay. See, so, I mean, I think I can pull the cable. Exactly. Did, so did you get the cable part with your, with the $10,000 part? Oh, I don't have a $10,000 part. Oh, you don't? Okay. No, no, no. Rob's got, I, I designed one and had a guy make me one. Okay. And, and I can, I can, I can show videos and links to it whenever we go to publish this. But uh, mine's just a five way sort with cables and pulleys, and they come out of my chute system, you know, and then I pick which way they go. Okay. So, so tell me what part you have and what you do with your part. With, with my shear wheel. Mm-hmm. So with my shear, so I have a side dale system as far as a tub and alleys and a tilt table, which I rarely use my tilt table. Uh, I probably tilt something three or four times a year at the most. And uh, it's just one animal or you're doing all of them when you do that? I, well, I usually run all my animals through uh, when I'm doing most of my stuff, it's just a, uh, it is easier to work a hundred sheep than five sheep. I think, Yep. I mean, they just flow better. You know, uh, when I get all of them in there, they just follow each other one right after another. If I put three in there, they're all looking to leave, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so it's just easier for me to do a bunch at one time. And, and if I'm, for example, if I'm trying to, um, uh, this week I pulled, or last weekend, I, I had a group that had, I don't know, 30 or 40 ewes in a ram, and I was trying to get the ram out. I run them all through my sheet because it's faster. You know, I put all my ewes in there. They, every one of them ran through the alleys, right through my chute. I left everything wide open. The gates are open. Uh, I didn't catch none of them in the head catch. I, I didn't touch nothing. I didn't weigh nothing. Uh, they just run right through, and when the ram came through, I shut the door on my squeeze chute just so he couldn't leave. I closed the gate on my sorter and then just sorted him off to another block and then let the use go on through. Uh, my shear well, what I did with it was I recorded the ear tags on the use that went through there, you know, so that I knew which use were with that ram just to make sure double check my records. My scale, 
I got a new scale head. My scale had problems. And so I got a new scale head and it's not automatically connecting right now. So I'm manually typing it in. So I didn't do it this time. If it was automatically connected, I would have weighed every you just because it's there and it don't take two seconds, you know. I feel like with where we're headed, we need the system that does all of that. It's pretty I mean, nice. just for efficiency. Though we do know that our flocks will be divided into two, so some portability is good because we have 120 acres that we cannot add to, and you know we won't be able to put something directly beside it. So you're in the same boat Caleb's in. Caleb don't want to buy a system and put it at his house because his sheep are not there. They're everywhere. Right. I have a half acre of pasture at the, right. the home property. So, so um, yeah, I think Robert says you can fit 89 on that half acre, <laughs> something <laughs> like that. Probably, so, you know, <laughs> you divide it in half, you know, yeah, <laughs> I think so the, the, uh, the, the code, uh, city code says, I think 300 per acre or something animal units. So if that's You're a half, half acre is 150 animal units. So according to them, I can fit 750 ewes and their lambs there. So um, my neighbors won't <laughs> like that though. So I don't. <laughs> you probably won't like that, buddy. <laughs> yeah. So there's, there's a lady in uh, Missouri, um, Moberly, Missouri, and she makes portable systems. So, and, and they can kind of design it based on what you need. And, and it'll be like a little pull behind trailer and you can, uh, you can just take it, plop it down, spread it out and go. And Seidel, uh, Seidel makes a couple. So of maybe you have like a, a, a funnel that leads them up onto the trailer. They get their business done up there and then they run back down or something to that extent. Or, or um, I think the one Seidel has actually is hydraulic. Um, so it actually just I saw that. lifts. It looked a little clunky maybe we we saw that i think go ahead tell me about oh, it oh just yeah it'll, so it'll lift up and then or you can you know park it and then set the hydraulics down it'll it'll set down and then it's actually maybe on the I ground um so that that's an option i think there's there's a company out of uh i think they do stuff in the uk and new zealand if i remember right um it, it might be racewell systems i'm not sure i know racewell makes it auto drafter um, but anyways, there are some portable ones out there and I, I think that can work. The other thing too, and I just, just, uh, experimented with this, this last week, um, my customer and I were sorting a bunch of sheep, um, cause we hauled back, uh, ADUs from, uh, Wisconsin. Um, and so anyways, um, we were sorting out which ones were going where, cause I got a portion and he got a good portion and then a portion also went to California. Um, and so we were sorting those out and I'm like, there's no way I'm going to be able to sort these things without a shoot system. <laughs> and, uh, and they're, you know, they were no touch, um, from a no touch operation, um, you know, really easy care sheep. So, you know, a little more on the skittish side of things. And so, um, had access to a, a side L system and, and honestly, they're pretty easy to set up. I mean, this was a full 40 foot long shoot system. I was able to fit it all in the back of my pickup truck and drive two hours with it. Um, you know, it's just pins that drop into panels. Um, and the great thing about Seidel is it's so customizable because there's so many different portions and everything works together. You decide you want to add something in the future, you can do that. Um, so I, I was a big fan of a big fan of it. Um, 
And I, I think, you know, those types of systems can work fine, even if they're designed to be more something that's going to be, you know, set in place. It's not like you're going to have to pour concrete or anything. So. Yeah. And that was, um, um, your, your deal wasn't one of the transportable units mm. either. It was like mine. Yep. It's kind of back to what we were talking about earlier with the $10,000, uh, drafter, you know, for the difference between the one that you can transport and the one you can't, you can, you can load that thing up and carry it a lot. Yeah. You know, it probably, it probably costs twice as much to get one that's portable versus but it's still loadable. So yeah, yeah I mean, they're just, they're, they're usually just eight foot panels. So you just unpin them and, and you stack them on a trailer, yeah. you know, yeah. flatbed trailer, horse trailer. If, okay. Yeah. So that's the difference in, in having the system built onto a trailer or putting it on the trailer yourself. Yeah. Cause I, uh, when I first bought a tilt table, I didn't have enough sheep to justify it. And a friend of mine, probably 25 miles away, he had less sheep than I did, but we went in together and bought it and, uh, and we moved it back and forth between the two places. And, uh, you know, I don't know how much it weighs three or four or five, I don't know, 400 pounds. Maybe you pick one end up, set it on a trailer and get on the other end and push it up there. I mean, we moved it all the time. It's really not end of the world. And it had a wheel kit with it. Uh, I mean, you couldn't, I mean, you could pull it down the road with your four wheeler maybe, (laughs) but it'd beat you to death. Uh, but it made it easy to move around on the trailer and to put it where I wanted it when I got to his place or my place. That was the only time we really used the wheels, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and honestly, I mean, after using the system, cause my original plan was to save up for a portable system, um, because, um, you know, I'm, I'm not independently wealthy by any means. And, uh, you know, I don't expect to be able to, to buy the, you know, well, when this podcast thing takes off, we're, we're going to be on it though. Okay. Um, but you need some sponsors. Yeah. Um, Shearwell ought to take you on guys. I've heard a lot about Shearwell. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we need a Sidell portable kit. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so my plan was to save up for a, a Sidell portable system because I, I do plan on leasing for a long time. Um, and I think it's an economical model when you're getting started. Um, but after using this system, I honestly would rather not do a portable one because there's more flexibility and more expandability when you're not doing portable, because you can add more things. You can have, you know, 20 different stops on there if you want to, to, you know, you can have a few people out there. You can have one person that deworms them, one person that weighs them, one person that checks a matcha score, one person that, you know, uh, grades their body condition score. If, if you want to have that many people out there working them and you want to, you know, move them through really fast, you have that option um, with a system where it's just, it's really just panels and the panels weigh what Robert, probably nothing. 40 pounds, 30 pounds. I mean, they're, nothing. yeah. And so um, I don't know that, that like in my case, I'm fixing to buy, I'm probably fixing to buy another 50 or 60 panels. Uh, we have a cost share program here and panels are included and I'm about run out of things to buy, to be honest with you, but I need more panels. I want more panels. So, uh, I can always add, you know, uh, panels are are light. They're easy and they're so hand, they're so versatile. Mm -hmm. Do you land in the fields, Robert? That's why I'm buying more panels. I I do. And I don't like it. It was Okay. okay when I had a few sheep. Then I, then at one point I had probably 120 or 30 ewes. 
and they all landed in the field and it was a disaster. So, uh, so I, I called back down to try to get a better grip and that's hopefully that's what the panels will be. They'll be lambing jugs for part of the year. Was it a disaster because you couldn't keep track of which lamb went with which mama? It, okay. it was a disaster because I left for work and I'm like, oh, look, you know, 10 lambs. <laughs> from work. Oh, look, 50 lambs. And, right. And some, I heard there's some stealing that happens sometimes and stuff. Well, like I don't, that. I don't worry so much about that, but, uh, the problem is after about seven or eight, 10 hours, you can't catch those things. <laughs> you know, you right. can get, you can catch a baby lamb in the field, you know, first couple of hours. But man, <laughs> after that, uh, and, and I don't, so, so back to, uh, when we first started, you know, and I just had four or five sheep in my backyard, they were all kind of pets. Um, but then whenever I decided when I got 20 or 30 and I put them out in the field, then they became not pets and, uh, and not pets have a learned behavior. And if you're, if you're a big fat guy chasing a lamb out in the field with a fishing net, trying to catch him, those lambs remember that the rest of their life. I swear they do. So it, it makes them wilder than you think. And so, um, you know, they're, they're, I don't want to get into that. I don't want to chase sheep. I'll, you know, I don't want to be in that. Mm -hmm. I need to exercise. Yeah. I've wondered how in the world will we tag them and, and make note of who their mothers are when there's that many. I mean, right now we don't have any record, but it would be good to have that record. Yeah, someone so, needs to develop a dart tagging system where you have like a dart gun and you can just shoot it at their ear. <laughs> yeah, you know, if if the big fat guy with a net don't scare them, shoot them with a gun. <laughs> <laughs> it needs to be able to close that tag on the opposite side of their ear, though. Yeah. So you're going to be working on that for a while. Well, you just make sure so it, it just goes in and then it expands out. So it's, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah it's like a bullet, it opens. Yeah. <laughs> Here's something that we, we have good luck with uh, in smaller groups is um, is if you got a small group, if you say you got 20 or 30 ewes and, and all their lambs and they're all in one field, and if you bring them in and you separate them, all right, put all the ewes over here in their pen, put all the lambs over here by themselves at, at two weeks old, say. Whatever, it don't matter how old they are keep those things separated for a couple hours, go grab you a sandwich, you know, uh, spray paint. I, we use spray paint or paint brand, paint brand to use paint brand or put a, a number on the side of the lambs too. Uh, give them a couple hours, put them all back together, man, they go straight to mama. They know exactly. They go right back to each other and you can't write it down fast enough. You know, okay. It, but if you give them a couple hours apart, and, and I do it in a in a, I don't know, maybe a a hundred by hundred square dry lots, kind of my little holding area where I were do where I was doing it at, and uh, and just put them all together in one one big lot, and have your pencil and paper ready because uh, those lambs go to mama just like that. I mean, it's. Mm. Wow. I can't imagine how many lambing jugs we would need anyway for what we would be doing. Okay, so there's something I'm working on now. <clears throat> there is a, uh, trying to figure out, all right, how do you do this? There's a guy on YouTube, and I forgot his name. Uh, he's he's in Western Canada, and he's doing like 800, 500 or 800 ewes 
in a heavy confinement type system. Is it, well, is it Sandy Brock who does that? I don't know where she is. She's Canadian. She's in, she's in Ontario. Okay. Uh, this guy is in Western Ontario, and I think his name's like Richard. Anyway, I'll send you a link to it. But uh, this guy, I watch this video all the time. You know, back to, um, there's somebody close to me, and I don't know who it is yet, that is trying to get to seven or 800 sheep in a totally confined uh, facility. And my friend that was telling me about it, I'm like, oh, you got to take me there. I want to see this. Not me. I don't want to be in that. You know, I don't want to, I want my sheep out in the field. Well, I do too. But you'll learn something from going to this guy's place. You'll Absolutely. Learn, you'll learn how he handles his sheep, how he does manure, how he does feed. You will learn something by going there. And they are the picture of efficiency. They have to be. Yes, they got You cannot be. fit that many in that space. Either one of you ever seen a scrapey outbreak or even a case of it? Scrapies. Or know of anyone who had it? Yeah, scrapey has been gone for so long. What I tell people is, um, you know, the reason that I select for our sheep is because I'm selling breeding stock and people mm -hmm. that buy breeding stock want RR sheep. And the reason they want it is because they're going to sell. Wait, what does RR mean? Um, so that's, so the R is a resistant gene and the Q is a susceptible. So RR would be, have two re resistant genes to scrapey QR, you know, one resistant gene. Um, if they have a resistant gene, they're not going to usually get scrapey. Um, I think there's only been like, one or two cases of a sheep with an R gene that's gotten scrapey. Um, and so um, there was a lot of education by the government and selection pressure, I guess, to put on our, our sheep. Um, but the reality is, I mean, personally, I've dealt with more people that have had um, OPP that are selecting what does that mean? the ovine progressive pneumonia. Um, so Basically, what happens with it's a, it's a wasting disease. Um, over time, their their body just wastes away. It's kind of, um, yeah, it, it's just a wasting disease. They'll also have uh, problems with their udder. Um, they'll eventually lose production entirely in their udder. It looks like mastitis. Um, so people call it hard bag or whatever. Um, and that usually starts at two or three, four years old. Yeah. What, when you start seeing signs of that. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think it's a couple of years old. Typically you can't test before seven months. Um, and the, can you vaccinate for it? Nope. You can't vaccinate for it. Can't treat it. Um, it's, it's one of the three major ones, um, that you kind of got to watch out for Typically OPP, CL, um, and Yonis. Um, but the, um, Wait, what was the last one? Yonis. Yonis. Yes. Or, um yeah everybody pronounces it a little differently yonis yonis okay. johns whatever <laughs> but, okay i think i've seen it same with cat. i didn't know what how to say it yeah cat will have that too can you spell that word j-o-e-n-e-s j-o-e-n-e-s j-o-h-n-e-s okay i've seen it but i didn't know how to say it myself yeah. okay. and to be fair on the opp caleb's in a different world than most of us are so maybe go into that with the range guys versus, yeah. you know. Well, and, and I, you know, the more I research it, it's, it's a, so, and actually the people that I've worked with that have had OPP have been back East. <laughs> um, oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Um, so typically the way OPP, so the way OPP spreads is um, through uh, direct contact. Basically 
Um, the way Jim Morgan described it to me is they almost have to walk up and sneeze into the nose of the other sheep um, in order for it to actually spread. Not quite that much, but but it, it's pretty close contact is how it's, it's going to spread. doesn't usually spread from surfaces. Um, so sheep in pasture environment, it doesn't usually spread super fast. Um, when it's in a flock, it, 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 it is fairly contagious, um, but it doesn't usually spread as much in, in open areas. Um, where you see problems are areas where they'll put sheep in confinement, where they're going to be in more close contact, especially barns in the northern part of the country. So, you know, kind of Iowa north, um, you know, North Dakota, Minnesota, areas where we're going to be spending a lot of time in a barn over winter um, and having that direct contact um, is typically how that one, that one spreads. So, um, you know, for range flocks where you have a lot of sheep, um, you know, that can be more prevalent. It doesn't spread when they're out in the range, but it could spread, for example, in a lambing barn. Um, and so when you have a lot of sheep in a small area, that that's where you're going to see that kind of spread. The, the one that we do see more out here is, is CL. Um, that's the abscesses. Um, and, and that the abscesses on the, the lymph nodes. And that one, again, kind of sort of shows up as a wasting disease because it will, um, you know, they'll get, you know, they can get infected lymph nodes throughout their body and, and eventually can, you know, cause internal infection and kill them that way. And so you see kind of slow, steady decline. Usually you see outside, um, outside lymph nodes be affected first. And that one does spread from surfaces. So it can spread through the soil. It can spread through a fence post. That one's a really nasty one. Um, there is a vaccine for that one, which is, which is nice. Downside of the vaccine is they'll always test positive for it. So you can't tell if they actually have it or if they're vaccinated against it. Um, but if they're vaccinated against it, they, you know, as long as they're vaccinated before, they shouldn't be catching it. Um, and so that one you see a lot more with wool sheep um, because those abscesses are hidden in the wool. And then as you're shearing and it spreads through little nicks and cuts, so as you're shearing, you know, you, you hit an abscess, you, you pop it, you get that on the, the shears, you nick the other one as you're, you know, shearing and it, and then that one just has it too. So that one can spread pretty fast in a, a large wool flock. But um, anyways, I forget where I was going with the, with the OPP. Um, hmm. But uh, yeah. <laughs> it was somewhere really good. Can, can y'all share... I only have a few more minutes because we leave at 4.50. Yeah, yes. Um, <laughs> so it's almost midnight here. We, we've got about four hours before we're going to start yeah, loading up. Yeah, appreciate you taking the time to... No, I, I'm enjoying it. I'm thinking... We're we're having part two. This has went pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we can do that. Um, we all talk about today about um, what vaccinations you use and what vaccination schedule you use? Like, is there a certain time in the sheep's life or reproductive schedule that you vaccinate? Caleb, I can tell you don't, va you don't vaccinate. At all. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> I see your hand. <laughs> okay. So you don't vaccinate and, and maybe Caleb can say why he doesn't. And then Robert, you vaccinate. I can tell. So um, or at least I'm thinking you do. Will you tell me what, what vaccination schedule you use and why and things like that? So Caleb, you going first? Um, sure. I can go first. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't vaccinate. Um, reason for that is my, my meat customers I'm selling, you know, natural grass fed meat direct customers and, and a lot of them don't necessarily prefer the vaccinations. Um, 
my philosophy is is I I try to never never poke the animal or anything. I don't dock tails, don't sure. don't castrate. Um, you know, and and you leave them the way that they're made. Yeah, and, and I want you know their cool. immune system to to be able to handle that. So selecting for animals with you know stronger immune systems that can handle that sort of thing, I think is is something I want to go for. I I want to have a sheep that you know, when I get my flock larger, I don't have to, you know, keep them vaccinated, keep them alive, that they'll just, you know, do it themselves. Um, that said, you know, you will lose some with pneumonia. Um, typically that's one that, you know, potentially could be vaccinated for, but again, you see the ones that survive and the ones that don't. Um, and I should say not the ones that don't, but I mean, the ones that need treated, because usually you can most of the time you can treat. You also probably don't use antibiotics or you do. Um, I, I will it... use antibiotics if the animal's sick. Um, and then I will pull that animal from my meat line. So I really try to <laughs> avoid antibiotics as much as possible and, and keep track of that. Cause that becomes a lamb that's worth very, very little. Um, and so, um, I have thought about vaccinating for tetanus. Um, but again, I stopped doing that when I started, or, or stop thinking about it when I stopped castrating. That was one of the reasons I stopped castrating was so I wouldn't have to worry okay. about tetanus. And then I've also thought about vaccinating for um, overeating the CDNT. I would give the CDNT vaccination if it weren't for trying to produce meat lambs without vaccinations. Um, because you said you, you thought about vaccinating. Did you say for overeating? Yes. Like eating too much. I should probably. Can I, I get that vaccination? I, I should. I just want to know. I should probably <laughs> clarify. So it is a disease that the the clostridial diseases, and it's they they call it overeating disease. Um, it's actually not. Well, it's sort of due to overeating, sort of not. What happens is is the the rumen of the sheep um, sheep generally can't handle lots of sugars in the rumen. Um, that's, you know, sheep milk is lower in lactose, um, than basically all the rest of the, the, the livestock species of milk, um, because lactose is a readily broken down sugar. Um, and sheep generally can't handle that. The bacteria in their rumen, the bad bacteria will explode really quickly, um, in population. And so if you take an animal to a system from where you, you switch them fast or you have them on a, a high carb or high sugar diet. So grain, um, you know, heavy grain diets, um, where there's a lot of carbs that can convert to sugars readily. Um, those bacteria can kind of have a, 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 a very good time and, and explode really quickly. And when those die, they produce a, a toxin. So what happens is, is it, it, it comes in the form of, and this happens really quickly. So they'll eat a lot, it looks like they're bloating. They get a bunch of foam in their stomach. Their side gets all bulgy. looks like they overate. Um, is it the same thing as what people call bloat or it's, it's different? It's different. Um, yeah. So, right. so yeah, the, the bloat is caused by the, the, um, the fiber or the, the, the food stuff that was ingested, whereas the overeating disease is caused by the bacteria and the right. death isn't necessarily caused by the pressure on the lungs. The death is caused by those bacteria then dying and then killing, releasing a toxin that then kills the animal. So you can vaccinate for overeating that then helps um, to kind of reduce the, um, or, or kind of helps the body to, to fight that off and, 
and, and reduces your chance of having overeating disease. So for me, I'm not feeding grain. I'm not creep feeding. So I, I generally don't run into those issues. Bottle lamps, you, you do run into those issues a little bit more because, you know, usually you're feeding milk replacer and then oftentimes that's higher in lactose um, than, you know, than sheep's milk is. And so you run into those issues more. So I have vaccinated bottle lambs before, um, just a couple of them, and, and that, that will help with losses there. But if you're feeding grain, definitely would recommend it. Really, most of the time would recommend the overeating one because that's not something that's, again, going back to the idea of selecting animals that are, that are not prone to, to have that should you not vaccinate, that's not really a genetic issue and not something I would necessarily fault the animal for. Um, you know, you can occasionally see animals in a grass system that get that with a lot of, you know, milk on, on lush pasture, you know, potentially they can get enough buildup of sugar to, to reach that point where they can have issues with the, the overeating disease. So, um, CDNT is a nice one because you get the, the clostridials and, and tetanus is, I think it's, I'd have to go back and look again, but I think tetanus is technically in that same clostridial family. It just, um, operates a little bit differently. So, um, it, yeah, it's kind of similar to like the eight-way vaccination in cattle. Um, CDNT is kind of that version for sheep. Um, so that that if I were to vaccinate, I would I would vaccinate for CDNT. And pneumonia is one if you were in an area um, that had you know a lot more moisture that I would I would think about doing because you can see losses. You say a lot more moisture. You mean more than what you've got or more than average? <laughs> oh, he has to buy water. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've, yeah. I've, okay. I've so there's 52, a, it averages 52 inches of rain in yeah, the area that we're that's in. about five times so. as much as I get. So, <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> yeah. Um, so okay. yeah, but no, I, I think, I mean, it, it really depends on, and if you have a good mineral program in place that can help with, with those types of issues. Um, but it, it, I mean, again, the, the, the neat thing is they have found, um, USDA in, in Arkansas, um, the ARS um, has found that there is, or at least there's some hypothesis that seems to be backed up by some data that there, by selecting for parasite resistance, you can actually select for animals that are going to be healthier because the parasite resistance is an immune system response. So essentially you're measuring the strength of the immune system. So animals that are more parasite resistant have a stronger immune system because they're having a stronger immune system response. It's the same, the same, you know, portions of the immune system theoretically that operate. It's the white blood cells that attack the parasites. So you can actually select animals that are less prone to disease again, theoretically, and the data seems to trend that way um, by selecting for animals with parasite resistance. So that's kind of been my focus to focus on animals that genetically don't necessarily need the vaccinations. Long answer to your question to a simple question of no, I don't vaccinate. <laughs> okay. Well, and, and I do the things he talks about. I do a co-vaccinate, which is my CDT shot. And uh, I had an issue probably my second uh, or third year with sheep with a, clostri a clostridium issue that wasn't covered under a plain CDT shot. So uh, Popstone recommended I go to to the to the Covex and eight, so that covers um, a different one. I, I don't remember which one it was now, but anyway. Um, and then 
I have done the pneumonia, I, I think, in our area, which is very similar to yours. Man, in the springtime of the year, you can go from 80 degrees outside to 45 and raining and back and forth for three or four weeks in a row. And it is really hard on young lambs out in the pasture at that time of year. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so um, <laughs> the problem is I don't always remember to do it. You know, um, I, I remember the CDT. That's an easy one for me. And the pneumonia, I've, I've not got into the habit of doing it regular enough that it's like, oh, man, I got to have it, you know. Um, so, really, that's those are the only two. I, I used to do um, a BOCI uh, for selenium uh, because, you know, several people that, that I use as mentors do it religiously. And um, But over time, I, I, I fixed my minerals, and now I don't I – don't, I don't do that shot at all. So uh, I don't like giving shots either. Uh, back to the chasing sheep through the field. <laughs> you know, every time a, a lamb goes through the system and you poke it with a needle, it don't like going through there, you know. So, um, you know, stress loses weight and causes problems too. So sometimes, um, you know, the more you do – it's probably worse. So, um, so I'm, I'm more of a hands-off kind of like what you're wanting to be and, and what Caleb does, I, but I do do the, the Covex and eight and, uh, I'm trying to do the pneumonia. I want to do it. I, you know, I do it ever so often, but sometimes I forget it, you know, uh, but hopefully I'll get better at it because I, I do think it's important. Uh, I don't give my use a booster on a CDT. Um, uh, Doc Kennedy thought it was a waste. So until, you know, somebody tells me different, I guess I'll keep skipping that. I, I don't know. I don't, what do you think, Caleb, on the boosters? You think they're useless or, I mean, you're not doing it. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're definitely not going to do a booster if you didn't do the first yeah, one. <laughs> it's worked out pretty, pretty fine for me. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, the, the benefit I do see to the booster is, you know, those early lambs, um, you know, when, when a lamb's a couple of days old, I mean, you really don't want to be sticking it with a needle. Um, and so, you know, when you're talking, if you do have bottle lambs, um, you know, that that's likely to give them a better chance. Bottle lambs are one of those things that for me, not only there, are they, the way I tell people is, um, when you're a little kid or when you're first starting with, with sheep, bottle lambs are, are your dream. Um, <laughs> within a couple of years, they turn into your worst nightmare. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, they're just, it's hard to get them to produce. So anything you can do to set them up to succeed is worth it. Ideally, you select your flock to where you don't have bottle lambs. Um, that's my, again, my, 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 the way my brain works is, is I try to address things from the genetic side rather than input side. So, um, what yeah. So when it comes to bottle lambs, my goal is how do I make better bottle lambs? My goal is how do I eliminate bottle lambs? When it comes to parasites, my goal isn't how do I better treat parasites? It's how do I eliminate parasites? Um, going back to this type of stuff with, with vaccinations, it's not, how do I, you know, uh, how do I, you know, 
treat pneumonia? How do I, you know, prevent pneumonia? It's how do I build animals that aren't going to get pneumonia? Um, so that, that's the way my, my brain works. Um, as somebody who's, you know, trying to go more of the natural route, um, animals that work for my system and are going to survive that and produce in that is kind of the way I try to handle it is more genetic side. Um, but at the same time, handling it from a management side can certainly, you can certainly see a lot of, you know, losses reduced if you, you know, pneumonia is, pneumonia is a big one. Um, and yeah, the way I see the pneumonia deal is, you know, man, if you, it's, it is so cheap that what the heck, just give it to them all. And if you save one animal, it's worth it, you know? Um, and how do you know, how do you know that you, that you saved any with it? You don't. Yeah. Well, um, I had a year where I had meat lambs. It was, you know, towards the end of the year and I had, you know, those, cause out here, I mean, we have a temperature range of, um, I mean, one year we hit negative 30 and the next summer we were at a hundred. Um, so, I mean, that usually it's not that much of a range, but, um, <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that, that's the worst thing is when, yeah, <laughs> at that, at that temperature, they say, if you take boiling water and you throw it in the air, by the time it hits the ground, it's turned to snow. Um, anyways, it was cold. Um, but, um, and the sheep were out there just in a foot of snow with poly cheating shelters. I mean, they didn't have, and then some hay and they did great. Um, but I wouldn't have done great. That's <laughs> for sure. But, um, going back to, you know, I had that year where I had, you know, cold nights, you know, we're getting in the thirties, um, and, and daytime getting into the eighties, the seventies or eighties. Um, and you add moisture to that. I had was feeding them hay. So they were getting some dust and they were kind of at a field that, that was dry. So it was dusty. Um, and that all just worked together to, to cause a respiratory storm. And I ended up with a bunch with pneumonia. Um, I think I may, I may have lost one. I don't remember. I, I treated most of them, but it took them out of my meat market um, and took a pretty substantial chunk out of my meat market. And not to mention, you know, they're just, they're not gaining weight and it takes them a while to recover um, and, and the hassle and treating them. And so um, I changed my mineral program and that helped a lot. Um, but I think, you know, it, in, in management as well, keeping them out of those dusty areas. But that time of year can, can really be rough. And I think part of it is, is how you can set yourself up for success or failure, depending on your lambs, when you're lambing and, and how old the lambs are. So those lambs were, you know, four months old when that happened, they were, they were May lambs and it was September. Um, you know, if you, if you do that in, in the spring, same type of thing, if it's rainy, um, in Missouri, um, you know, lots of rain in April, um, but dry in March, maybe you lamb in March. Um, so your lambs aren't born when it's wet and they're not instantly starting with that. Or maybe you lamb in May after the rain has kind of slowed down a little bit and it's not getting so cold at night. Um, again, different ways to address it. I just, I don't like to be sticking lambs with a, <laughs> with a needle and that's part of the reason where I would, that that's where I would see a booster shot being beneficial is to try to, to give you longer before you need to give that, that land, that first shot, but you definitely want it before you put them on creep feet. If you're going to do that. He had a really nice Sidell system and you can go <laughs> online. He might give more shots. Uh, but anyway, uh, one thing I have done 
and, and it's back to the pneumonia thing because I forget to do it, is um, I, I used to do the booster on my CDT, and, uh, and I would do it a couple weeks before my ewes lambed to get some um, immunity to the lambs, you know, earlier. Problem is I forget it. You know, I don't think about it till a lamb hits the ground. I'm like, oh crap, you know. So, so I'm I'm not the best on scheduling. You know, I'm I'm kind of a hurry up, wait, and fly by my seat of pants type of guy. So I, I got to work on my planning and strategies. Can you um, can you set up remind Robert alerts in the uh, Shearwell system? I do, I do. I do. <laughs> well, you know, it don't. But uh, but I need to start. You know putting stuff in my calendar, you know, reminders. I, I got to do better at that. That's something I struggle with. Um, then you don't have to screw with your lambs when they're little. <laughs> you know, you get a couple extra weeks to play with. So, so maybe, well, maybe we didn't scare you off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you for answering my questions, but I have, you know, yeah. more and more that even have come up while we were been talking. So hopefully we can see how hard this was not very beginner stuff. You know, <laughs> started out wanting to talk beginner, but then it just, poop, it went through the room. I can maybe try to come up with, with <laughs> from what we've talked about, I've come up with a number of yeah. questions that would just be clarifying the things that y'all have talked about. Yeah. You know, and so maybe, maybe next time we can do that. Like Caleb, you've, you've told everybody that you're a registered seed stock producer and what in the world seed stock don't tell me right now we have to save that for the next one it's like cliffhanger right (laughs) obviously i'm able to figure that out but i think a lot of people just hear something they haven't heard before and go i don't understand the verbiage yeah we take for granted you know um i i had i've had livestock all my life at some form so some things that i hear i know what it is even if it's a different breed or a different type of animal where somebody right. that's retired that just got into sheep that's, you know, lived in let's say Houston all their life, mm-hmm. you know, they don't know they and, mm-hmm. and I take that for granted. Some other people probably do too. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So we've got a lot of learning to do. Uh, I hope that I hope that we can talk about some more questions. But if you yeah. if we aren't able to, I'll email them to you. Okay. And yeah. I'll take notes from your from your podcast say, Hey, you've got to tell people what this means, <laughs> let you know. So yeah. maybe, um, be great if, if you could come up with a, a couple of, um, equipment guys to come show what they've got on your podcast, like through the recording and well, you know, that's, talk a, about that's in the work. Yep. That's, that's that would be for sure. awesome. Yeah. And, and then was it Dan that y'all had like on week 17 ish? Is that about right? Well, this is not big brother. This is a, I don't remember what episode, but yeah, Dan, Dan Turner. Yes. It, that, that writes the, the, um, little things, the yep. column for the, yep. the newsletter. Uh-huh. It would be great if you could kind of do some of his column type stuff. It, told, it talks about like what he uses and stuff like that and options and because beginners need that, but you know, I don't even have one registered sheep. So I, you know, I think I'm kind of in a place where I'm like, should I just go with like a, a uh, nationwide sheep, you know, type thing it, for a membership, or should I target towards that? Anyway, this is another day. <laughs> yeah, because most of the stuff that we talk about really doesn't matter if you're registered or even right. breed, even technically breed specific. 
you know. But I probably could learn from Dan's letters if I was with a KHSI, right? Oh, so. It is worth the price of membership Absolutely. just for the magazine. Yeah. There you go. It is, it is. It is totally. I mean, there are so many members that join just for the Herald. Um, okay. I mean, honestly, I mean, you hear my perspective today on <laughs> registering sheep. Um, no, I mean, I would still be a member um, for the registering. So we but, tell the population what the cost of the membership is? Yeah, I think it's $50 a year or something. Um, oh, that's not a lot. Yeah, I mean, get, most magazines are more than that. Yeah, and you get four four issues a year. It's quarterly, and okay. it's got articles. Um, it it has ads, so I you know I like to look at you know people's production. Robert likes to look at their structure, and <laughs> just isn't. Uh, but no, it's a uh, no, it's definitely fun. But their bad photography. I know you you have a big deal about that. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, people don't know how to take pictures. Yeah. You know? I knew you would say that. I've listened to you yeah. enough to know that. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I bet it's weird listening to a listener instead of listening to another producer. No, I appreciate you coming on. I think that this has been, it's been a lot of fun. It's been neat to neat to hear about your system and um, hear where you're going and, and uh, hear, hear where Robert and I are um, just uh, kind of going into the clouds and, and where we can kind of tie down to some of the practical things. So, Appreciate your time for sure. And maybe we can Absolutely. have you on in the future at some point. So great. All right. Let's be in touch. All right. Be careful on your trip. Thank you. I'll take care. Well, everyone, hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast as we got to dive in with Sarah into some different ideas of equipment and management and strategies, different things that different producers can use moving forward. Um, and so um, hopefully look forward to answering some more questions in the future. But as we've mentioned before, we can't answer questions if you don't send them in. And that's exactly how this podcast developed um, is that Sarah reached out with some questions and we said, Hey, why don't we do a podcast with Sarah? Now, if you are um, wanting to submit questions, don't let that intimidate you to not submit questions because you don't want to be on a podcast. Um, we are more than happy to answer your questions um, on a separate Q and a, we've got a few questions already lined up for our next Q&A podcast, feel free to email those. That's podcast at sheepthings.com. Is that email? Again, that's podcast at sheepthings.com. Uh, send us an email with some thoughts some questions, um, and we're happy to answer those or talk through those on a podcast with our guests as we have some really awesome guests coming up here in the future um, and, and bounce some of those topics off of them or to answer them ourselves on a Q&A podcast or maybe, just maybe, if you want to, maybe we can uh, do have you on a podcast and would love to have a conversation with you. And so appreciate Sarah taking the time as somebody who's new and, and still learn about sheep to be willing to be vulnerable and ask those questions here on the podcast um, to a couple guys that are admittedly not experts in sheep, but just happy to facilitate answers and share along what we've learned. Um, and again, if you have questions, that email is podcast at sheepthings.com. And we look forward to hearing from you. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for listening to the Sheep Things podcast. Stay connected to our website, Facebook page, or sign up to follow us on a podcast service to get updates. We want your feedback, so you can email us at podcast at sheepthings.com for suggestions or comments. Thank you and see you later.